Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. I'm here with my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman, as well as our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham, and intern Erica on the ones and twos, dialing us in so you guys can hear us loud and clear. This is an episode of Freedom. I guess that name's sticking. Yeah, we're doing it. I don't even know how to differentiate. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. they're tuning in. Webby D will make up the titles when he writes the descriptions. It's all very exciting. Yeah, I love it. Hey, uh, Erica brought in cookies. Uh, Homemade. Homemade peanut butter. Peanut butter. That one. Do you you consider yourself a, a bit of a baker? Uh, no, those ones are easy. Only three ingre- ingredients. Really? Really? Yeah. Do you, when do you guys have your first meal of the day, typically? Ooh, noon. Noon, yeah. So you guys are on the intermittent fasting diet, right? I just don't eat breakfast. Noon, noon to eight? Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, I, I'd probably, I probably do noon and like 6.37. I just, I don't eat breakfast. I never have. Uh-huh. I, it's like, uh, it's actually a wonder that we do this in the morning. My brain doesn't totally start working until about 11 a.m. And my stomach certainly isn't down with eating until, uh, until noon. Erica, when do you have your first meal? Um... Lunch usually, yeah. I, I'm not big on breakfast. Is your mic on? Oh, hello, hello, hello. It's not coming up. No. He's it number three. On. All right, hold on. We're having a technical issue, but that's why uh, Erica's on there with the headphones. We're gonna figure out Shane's microphone. Thank a G. Oh, try again. There we go. Hello, hello. Because I did say yummy, yummy into the <laughs> mic. These <laughs> are very it. good cookies. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want anyone to miss that. Uh, when do you eat your first meal, Max? Uh, usually it's now? like, no, uh, well I can, uh, vary, but usually not till a little bit later in the day. Lauren made like homemade egg bites uh, and I had one mm. this morning. Very I good. like those egg bites at Starbucks. Yeah. They're a good, healthy little snack. Um, Danica is a, my wife is a, uh, she need like, she's a super staunch. I eat breakfast, lunch mm. and dinner. She's like super regimented and she gets, what's the word? Hangry. Hangry. Yeah. Uh, if that does not go down. Huh. Yeah. I would love to. I just can't control myself. Like, I also have all these rules on, like, I don't eat sugar through the week. I don't do uh, bread through the week. But if someone <laughs> brings in pizza or donuts, and if it's laying around, I'll definitely eat it. And that's my rule break. I just won't purchase it or seek it out. Oh, sure. I, but, I, yeah, I, these cookies are delicious. I'm very glad to be eating them. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the official statement. He eats all four. I brought, uh, I brought a 12 of donuts into the office uh, last week. Why? From where? Mike's doing this move lately. It's pretty cool. I think he's going for a, a promotion. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it, 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 uh, I think it helps sort of like uh, build the morale and solidify sort of the camaraderie when someone brings in something That's like that. That's a great move. My last office job, like this would have been like nine years ago, um, at the Hamilton Law Association, I worked there maybe like two or th- two days a week maybe and like maybe two weeks out of the month. Like it was a very part-time job and I was... <laughs> I'll be honest, like kind of a lazy worker. I was, I was in the back. I was, I was shelving books. Basically. I'm shocked. <laughs> I was like shelving books. But my move was always uh, to br- like bring in donuts. Like if I was gonna, I'd go for like a coffee in the afternoon for my own little break. And I'm like, anyone need a coffee? Let me, let me. And then it was all sort of middle-aged ladies there. And they're like, no, no, no. And they try to pay me like a toonie to get them somebody to more. I'm like, oh, stop it. Put that money away. Yeah. So I basically just like buy my goodwill. Well, that's uh-huh. what they say. If you can't be good, be nice. I yeah. always remember that. I'm like, okay, I'm not <laughs> like if you're not good at your job. job. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like shut up and be nice and people will want you around. Yeah. That's true. I honestly I think most work is if you're a good hang. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, obviously if you're an astrophysicist or something like that, that's like a different story. But like <laughs> there's some really gregarious astrophysicist <laughs> out there that is fucking everything up, but they're like, oh, he's just so great at the company <laughs> party. <laughs> he's got all we, the jokes. We want to keep him around. He's a good hang. He's, he, he can't do math for shit. <laughs> you call this astrophysics? <laughs> Shut up, he's hilarious. <laughs> um yeah, but uh actually, you know, I remember uh, Nick in our, in our band um was watching some YouTube tutorials on how to be a good bassist. I'm not kidding. 
<laughs> well, no, like he was watching YouTube tutorials on these like famous session dudes, uh, like who who play on all the the big records. Yeah, and there's a the- famous um uh um uh, female bassist that played on the uh, Brian Wilson records. Yeah, that's she's right. part of his squad. Like there's there's like a there's like a whole documentary I feel like on session musicians. Yeah, of I course. Would, yeah. And, and anyway, one of the, one of the advice is that uh, one of these greats gives to young aspiring bassists. He's like, honestly, just be a good hang. That's like 90% of the job. There's a lot of good bases out there, but I think what has probably separated me from other people is that I'm just easy to be around. And it I, would be funny if Nick was jumping on around on stage like Flea, like shirtless. Joe, <laughs> <laughs> he was watching Chili Peppers tutorials. Yeah. Why is it different with Nick? He's shirtless. He's wearing the stuff. He's got the uh, bod for it. <laughs> um, you know what's funny is it's like that is like really the best advice. You know, the, the, you see the NBA players. This happens with where it's like at the end of the year, there's always about one or two spots at the end of the bench that they kind of hold open for buyout guys or whatever. And if you don't get the buyout guys, you end up just bringing back dudes that are like good in the locker room because they're not going to get minutes. So it's like, are you a decent dude? Are you going to like flap your arms like wings when a guy dunks? Are you going to cheer on the bench? And are you going like, to give good advice to the young guys oftentimes? Totally. Right? Like it's like Richard just, Jefferson or Channing Fry. Those guys kept getting contracts because totally. they were just good vets. Good vets. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, go ahead. Oh, you were, were you going to address something? Oh, yeah. Well, I just wanted to start off the show. I know we've talked about doing a correction segment. You're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Uh, it's not me. <laughs> uh, no, and I meant to get to this last week, but um, we have a great listener named Lauren Simmons, uh, at Lauren Dorfin on uh, Twitter, and she brought up a good point yesterday and the week before. So let's start in chronological order. Uh, she we On last week's episode, she said, she was yelling at my headphones when Max Kerman says, is there another on the level of Tiger, a Muhammad Ali, a Jordan? And no one says Serena Williams. Mm. So the first thing I'd like to say is that I did not say that. Mike Bierman said that. <laughs> was it me? <laughs> Mike, yeah. you in trouble. <laughs> Finally, me. Not me. Uh, and we, I think we were talking, what were we talking about? Tiger Woods. We were talking about Tiger Woods sort of uh, being a living legend yeah. in the same category as a Jordan and Ali. And, and what I'd like to do is, uh, one, it's a good flag because oftentimes in a male-dominated world, you forget to mention the female counterparts and who are equally as worthy uh and of course uh serena williams is on the level so we beg for the principle of charity on that one uh it's a fast-moving show and we'll we'll definitely try our best to to make sure that we uh are hitting any potential blind spots that exist in in our society where we we try to be as even-handed and as sort of uh, with a wide worldview as, as possible right yeah so that's number one. So, but but good catch. Number two, uh, yesterday, probably some, uh, just as important, uh, we were talking about the yellow vest movement in France. Yep. And uh, it's funny because Mike actually flagged this after the show. He said, "Are you sure the yellow vest movement? Or what do you? Because I do you call it the yellow jacket movement? Yeah. Well, we I, I, part, right? I basically said I just said that I think there's different factions sort of popping up all over the place now, mm-hmm. right? Like. And I just said that there there is some concern that there are factions of it that are sort of radicalizing it for like xenophobic reasons, um, anti-immigration. Exactly. So anyway, I just said, "Are you sure it's about that?" And then I was just like, "You know." Yeah, yeah. You you did flag it with me, and then I after we recorded, I looked it up, and I went on the Wikipedia page for uh, Yellow Vest Movement in France, and I read a bunch of articles. Not many mentioned the anti-immigration uh, xenophobic thing, oh, even though I'm sure in France, too, there is a part of that community that, that has those beliefs. 
uh, when I was bringing them up, I was more referencing French stereotypes and French stereotypes in my mind are people doing romantic things like eating spaghetti together, as you saw in a French <laughs> restaurant. Uh, there's uh, people that are very concerned with fashion and appearance. So that's why I like to bring up uh, those fashion designers in L'Oreal who are donating to Notre Dame. The and finer also, things in life. The finer things in life. And also uh, French revolutions because everyone loves Les Mis. And I know, and I was sort of making light of the fact that these protests have been happening. But the, the point is that the French people know how to protest they, this is like very much in their blood and they've been doing it for a very long time and i thought that was a funny french stereotype that so you were only it. trying to be mildly offensive not like super <laughs> like yeah for it. well but, but that's so not the reason really... you bring this up is because she tweeted at us so she yeah. tweeted so lauren said um where uh hey dudes here with your weekly fact check you might want to look into the background of the yellow vest movement it's kind of xenophobic islamophobic and anti-immigrant now uh in canada that is the tone that that group has taken on. Uh, I'll pull up a quick article from uh, Canada Land, which is a which is a good uh, show uh, website and a good podcast here uh, in Canada. By tapping into a deep reserve of neo-populist resentment and frustration, the Canadian version of the Yellow Vest has, in the last two months, manifested as. Pro- perhaps the most cohesive right-wing protest movement in the country. What began in France as a grassroots protest against widening economic inequality has in Canada, has spread into Canada, taking on a decidedly xenophobic tone. While the Canadian Yellow Vests have some grievances in common with their French forebears, chiefly concerning economic disparity and unemployment, their message has been decidedly more hateful from the beginning. So I think tonally there's a difference between the two groups. In Canada, it seems to be not well, quite as friendly. In, Amer- in, in France... Uh, well, in France, is like one of the big issues was like the rising price of gas. Let's say, yeah. right? So they kind of all unified between like whatever party line you're on. This is something we can all say. That we can. Is we atrocious. all hate the richies, the bankers. Exactly. Yeah. It seems here the issue is more like why are we using um, public resources and allocating it to immigrants to help these people when we have people who were born and raised here, uh, you know, who don't have anything and they're not being helped in the same way that people that are new to the country are. Yeah. I, I believe, and I and, and I may sound ignorant. I believe that's kind of their stance, which is like the allocation of funds by the government for. Uh, immigrants. Yeah. So take that, Lauren. Did we win or no? I, I, I zoned no. out a little bit. No, she's that. right because it is more nuanced oh, okay. than we sort of spoke about it in a broad way, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I was talking more in, in reference to French stereotypes. and uh, But also, I will I'll also maintain, this is not a smart show. This is somewhere in <laughs> the middle. This is free dumb. dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. It's right there in the title. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but that said, we do really appreciate everybody listening. And, uh, and I, in my life, I generally like to have you know, a progressive voice in my head going, hey, hey, watch out. Hey, you got to keep your eye on that because it, it stays with me and it makes me a more sensitive person. And I think that's a good thing. So a person like Lauren is, although it may seem annoying at first, a person like Lauren is welcomed. <laughs> of course. I mean, most a lot of my friends are like are ha, ha, would have the same idea. Like after we podcast, Dan Hamilton will send me a text going, you sounded like an idiot saying that or yeah. that was unfair. Like I have, I have a number of people in my life that uh, play that role, and I'm grateful for oh, that. Oh, my inbox is full after every pod. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but speaking of which, I did just want to uh, bring up something. I had a supporter of mine message me. Uh, a supporter? <laughs> 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 Shane supporter. And uh, he was... What talk- would Shane fan be called? Uh, this one was called Jonathan Popolis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I thought, no, I thought, you know, like you have believers. I was yeah. like, we need to come up with a name for people that are fans of yours because you do have unique fans. The 69ers. Yeah, yeah, the 69ers. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, yeah, my fans are, I guess, the layman. 
would be yeah. or the lay women not that i've come across a female <laughs> fan yet but one day man can dream uh, but the this supporter that's I, not true by the way you, you, i've seen your dms with the, all sorts of people and i would say just dudes <laughs> that sounds nefarious are you looking at my dms no check I'm, this one out <laughs> that's a good one that's a female uh, but uh, the person was bringing up uh, how if Game of Thrones, let's say, uh, and don't get really into semantics here with me, Max, because okay. you'll be like, Game of Thrones would never burn down. But if a Game of Thrones, let's say they shot the entire season and the hard drive burned down, and then some rich person's like, here is $300 million, reshoot the season. I bet people would rejoice. I bet they uh. wouldn't say... Why donate that to So is this charity? a point that one of your supporters wrote to you after listening to yesterday's episode? Yes. Oh, interesting. And I was wondering what your thoughts being that, especially Mike's a Game of Thrones fan, <laughs> and I, I, I know you're not, so maybe it's a bad point, but yeah, I'm no, just no, thinking no, no. I, get, a, I get the example. Yeah. Well, okay, my, I guess my thoughts on that analogy, just as it's been presented to me, I guess my initial thoughts are Game of Thrones is entertainment for the masses made by a company for profit. So basically it, it exists as an entertainment product that is meant to bring joy to people that they pay for in order to consume. So it's like if, if, if that goes away and then some other business wants to come in and basically like, oh, I mean that happens all the time. People shoot a pilot, it doesn't work out. You spend another million dollars to shoot the pilot and then you try to sell it to somebody and then people consume it and they spend money on it. I guess the thing about like the, the Notre Dame is it's like um, one I, I believe it's probably like a it's, a it's a tax shelter like meaning like because it's like a publicly funded thing those are people's tax money meaning they don't have a choice whether or not they want to pay into something like that so it's like uh, I guess it's like if for, for a thing like a church or an institution if people are going to like if it's going to stay running I think the people basically have to pay for it whether they want to or not. It's kind of like the allocation of tax dollars. And, and I'm not totally sure how it works in Paris. The other one is an independent sort of like um, entity that is like a commodity for sale. That's not what the public building is. That's sort of like a public trust or like a, a thing that everybody's supposed to enjoy whether you want to partake or not. But realistically, it's bringing money to Paris, right? Like people are in going there, there as a just, tourist attraction just to yeah. see it like the Mona Lisa burnt down. It like. probably generates a lot of money for Paris, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but you're you're saying you're getting to the idea of a rich guy forking over a bunch of money for something that arguably is frivolous. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, and then there was another point. Like or, the, or not frivolous, but it's just purely for entertainment. And so the same idea when people scoff at the L'Oreal guy giving $200 million. For, and he's like, oh, you're just sitting on that money? And he'd say, well, it's giving people a lot of joy and entertainment in the same way that the guy who saves the Game of, Heart, Game of Thrones hard drive would be doing. Exactly. Yeah. And then there was the idea that, that there was an article coming out that the Avengers are due to make $1 billion in one day. And it was just a thought, like, what if instead of going to see Avengers, everyone used that ticket money to donate to a worthy cause, and then there'd be a billion dollars out there? Yeah, so this was kind of my point. This was my point about the L'Oreal guy, is it's like we can't tell people what to spend their money on. Mm -hmm. It's like he can either have a fifth yacht, or he can, like, donate to to the Flint water. But the thing is, it's like... We live in a capitalist society. Like, they can choose to do what they want sure. with their money. And I, I don't think that was, I guess, the, the real question is not our opinions. I mean, would there be a, as much public outrage if it was a Game of Thrones thing being supported? Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny because it, the Game of Thrones, like, lives in a specific part of the culture. The reason why I think people got mad with the Notre Dame uh, example is that there was, like, two black churches in the South that got burned down and people weren't, weren't donating at all to that. There was other examples of like things that happen in the public sphere in the public space that are very problematic even in the western world that have not been addressed yet i think that's why it it hit a chord with people is that it's like 
it's easy to separate Game of Thrones or spending money at the box office for Avengers or whatever and not really compare them to the Notre Dame example. I think this this one was felt more egregious because you said, wait a second, there's another example that happened right over here to a bunch of black people and nobody cared about that. Um, so, and like you were saying, uh, all things must pass. And yeah. this is that church's time to pass, I guess. It, well, I that was sort of – well, I mean that's a different – idea when it comes to like how long things need mm-hmm. to be around or well i just think or just how yeah the lifespan of something i say good riddance yeah. and uh, you can dm me at sheena boy uh, <laughs> but yeah i didn't want to derail the whole thing i just thought that was an interesting thought i thought i no, it was good it no it's a good thought exercise but that leads to a, a bigger question about how much we ought to be spending on entertainment when there are a lot of people suffering and that is a much bigger question this is a little more of a specific example when it comes to the Church of Notre Dame, but but, but well, it makes you, it does make like, you think in a bigger also way. Also, like yeah, I mean, it, to me, it just I feel like we're constantly throwing out these like false equivalencies. Like it's like one is like a charitable donation, the other one is an entertainment product. It's like yeah, I spent a shit ton on basketball that I shouldn't, you know. But yeah. it's like we live in a construct of society where it's like we we produce these entertainment products and people choose to consume them. Are they are they do you need them for your life? No. Do you want them? Sure. Something like you know buildings or infrastructure. I think that church is totally a nostalgic form of entertainment. I think that's yeah. I yeah. think the church in Notre Dame is more of a it's a tourist attraction. Funded it's by like the people. It's though. like Disney funded World by tax for, dollars though. Yeah, but sure. but no. But what we're getting at here is the the, the personal donations and then the way that people donated to the cause to to, to, to like bring back to rebuild form, it to rebuild it and bring back that form of entertainment. Totally. I, I, ultimately, I guess just to clarify my position, I'm on the side that people can spend their money on whatever the hell they want to yeah. spend it on. That's why we make I, it. I just say don't shit on anyone donating to charity. And, that, and, and I like the fact that this conversation happens when somebody does something like this because it makes everyone think about donating themselves. Yeah. So it, it, it there is a good residual effect when things like this happen. But I would never dissuade anyone from donating to any charity. Yeah. And Mike, I'd add to your point. Sure. Uh, people are free to do whatever they want. And that's obvious, though. That, that, yeah. No, no. But also, it's like, is there, what are things we can do as a society to nudge people to do better for each other? And and so I think some people would argue that we are too individualistic, we are too selfish in the way we choose to spend yeah. our time and money. And is there is there things we can do in a broad way to shift the attitudes of like, no, it actually feels best, and it is best for the world, it's best for everybody. If we are more charitable, well, well there's a certain yeah. reality to hum- to humans that is kind of um, uncomfortable to talk about, and that is, if you gave somebody the choice of having like a yacht, or saving a human being that they've never met on the other side of the world, and no one were to find out, I personally, and maybe I'm I'm I'm, I'm cynical in this sense, think a lot of people would choose the yacht. I personally wouldn't. I know that I wouldn't, but I think there are a ton of people out there that would. And so, to me, I'm like. Of course, somebody's going to donate a shit ton of money to the Notre Dame because it means something to them. Shane brought up a good point. We were talking in the office the other day that like these rich people are—they're really trying to buy back like sort of their youth. They have a connection to that thing uh, somehow, like through Notre Dame and, and, these rich through, and, and goodwill from the public. All that, sure, that. It's, that, it's sure. all tied in. But it's like, but then, oh, why don't they donate to something that might actually save a human? And maybe they do. By the way, we don't actually know the answers. They might say, actually, Mike, what the hell are you talking about? I donate to a hundred causes. It's just this one's not public, so I actually don't know. But I do think that there's this thing that happens where people are obviously it's just human nature to be more sort of like um, invested in your own self-interest than a complete stranger and in fact a lot of people find it reprehensible this is why healthcare is having so much issue in the states it's like they don't like the idea of paying into something that might help someone they don't know that isn't contributing in a way that they feel is appropriate but this person was still donating 
to charity. Yeah. No, totally. And yeah, for me, there it's are more, worse ways to spend your money. For like sure. for me, it's just what I don't like is that it's not like a great civil discourse. It's often people shitting on them like you rich asshole donate to this charity. That's yeah. that's way more important. And it was kind of like my same stance on the Bieber thing. It's like when someone's maybe you bring uh, that up again. <laughs> yeah, honest, honestly, though, like when, when I was saying people were being too sensitive, I meant they, their reactions were a little uh, mean towards someone who wasn't intending to be mean. And I feel like people are being too reactive to this person who donated $100 million when they could just open up a broader conversation sure, yeah, in a kinder way. Yeah, you're getting into the weeds here. And, and oh, of course, yeah. I thought we were, though. No, no, Sorry. no, no, not you. No, not, not, you're not getting into the weeds. Mm-hmm. I'm saying people in criticizing somebody for doing kind of an act of a greater good, which is donating to it, even if it's just a church rebuilding and not fighting malaria like that, it's like a, a fussy point arguably to get at when ultimately this guy's doing something that is, is, is a service to somebody else, which is, which is maybe something that should be celebrated. I think it saying. would be awesome if there was like a holiday called like charity day or something where yeah. it was a known day where everyone donates $1 mm-hmm. to a charity of their choice yeah. and it's just a known thing everyone's donating a dollar on this day and then you'd get what's the population of the earth again so we agreed 7.2 <laughs> i think it was 7.9 billion 7. max 9, yeah. come on get with it but i think that would be great don't you oh yeah obviously sure. like probably third world countries don't have the buck to spare but i mean every place that's uh sure. thriving yeah that's yeah i think there's a lot I'm of good putting it out there yeah a, a buck is different to every person though you know that's what i just said no i know but i'm saying like I guess I'm talking about the equivalency of like a buck to one person is worth literally three hundred thousand dollars to another person, and so okay. this is what people yeah. get at. I, I mean, I'm talking about like in, yeah. in if if you're like a mass uh, movement. Yeah, if you can spare the dollar and only a dollar, and the dollar might mean a penny to you, the dollar might mean two dollars to you or ten. But if right. you can spare it on this holiday that I'm just inventing, everyone donate a buck. Totally. Yeah, and, and, and one last thing that we can get on to the, the actual three yeah, of the day. No, it's okay. No, this is fun. Um, is that I think you know people. The idea of income inequality is something on that's a lot, what I'm a getting lot of people's at. minds. And and the, and the question is, how do we solve that? Like, what are steps that people, especially in power, in positions of power and privilege, can do to address it? Because ultimately, they are the ones who are responsible for taking the extra money. And I should listen to a, the latest episode of Against the Rules uh, by Michael Lewis, and he gets directly into CEO pay and how basically the people in charge of monitoring CEO pay, uh, even consultants that are brought in to large corporations to say how much a CEO ought to be getting paid. Those people are getting bought off, and they have no voice. Um, there was a big article in um, in the news a few days ago from Abigail Disney, who's the Harris uh, to the yeah. Disney, or one of the Harris's to the Disney fortune, who came out really criticized Bob Iger, who owned, who's the CEO of Disney, for giving himself a sixty-five million dollar bonus. And she, in her Twitter, that's thread, a bonus. Yeah. Bonus. Whoa. And she goes in and she said, like, "There's no reason why you should be getting paid a." over a thousand times the medium um, wage of your employees. And this is simply uh, inhumane uh, Mm -hmm. to be taking that much money when there are people that work for you that are barely getting by on minimum wage. There's there's no reason for this. So those kinds of conversations, I think, are really important to be had. And and why, honestly, uh, you know, when you see the Yellow Vest movement in France Mm -hmm. coming out against, uh, you know, against... The, this income disparity and opportunities for people on the, in the lower half, 
uh, I, you know, you understand why those things exist. You know what's changed, though? It's two things. One, in the past, the masses, like due to the Twitter, the internet, sort of the socialization of information and news, no one, like a few people in the trades would know that he gave himself a $65 million raise. Now we all know it. We're right? all talking about it. We're all talking about it. And we realize that, like you said, she's used the word obscene. I think the reason people got so upset about L'Oreal or whatever, all these donations, is not that they donated. I think they looked at the, the, the raw number and they went, his two two hundred million dollars to give to this fucking church, holy shit! Like, how rich is this person? And then, it, and so it's like most of us go through our life not wanting to be reminded of sort of like our <laughs> yeah. station in life. And by the way, everyone, people in this room, we have a we're we've got it good. We are like doing well. We're the top I two percent. I wake the world. up and I think like honestly, my fucking lucky stars every day. I swear, I honestly do because I'm like, man, like this is good. We have it very good, and some people have it very bad. But also, it's like every once in a while you'll read the paper and you go, holy shit, like. We're not even close to touching whatever that 1% is. And, you know, for a, a million reasons. But I'm saying, but think about all of those people that read those things and they go, this guy just has $200 million to throw at a charity of his choice. Like, shit, people are dying in the streets. Now, again, people, this is the society we built, this is the construct. So it's like, spend your money on what you want. It is capitalist. And so why does Bob Iger give himself a $65 million raise? Because he can't. Because Disney's making billions of dollars. Like you just yeah. said, Avengers is going to make whatever it's going to make this In one weekend. day. In one day. Of course he's giving himself a $65 million. Because he, he's going to say, I greenlit that fucking franchise a decade ago. And look at how much money it's earned for this company. And it's just like, that's And maybe capitalism. in some weird way he deserves it. Supply and demand. Yeah, yeah but, but then... Abigail Disney would say, no, nobody needs to buy their fifth yacht, period. Or you can't. <laughs> oh, and then that's why you need reg regulations, because it's very easy for people to justify th those kinds of money. Sure, I totally agree. They're this gonna... is why people on the right hate regulations. Well, people can say to us, you don't need so many shirts, Max. You don't need all those fringes on your uh, And honestly, <laughs> I'm, no. <laughs> you don't need all those many. rainbow frillies. <laughs> too many fringes, too many colors. One tassel, too many. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone to his head. No, but honestly, and, and you know, I want to give a big shout out to uh, this podcast, Michael Lewis podcast, because uh, the whole theme of the, the show is about the referees in our society. And um, I think it's really important for people to police each other's behavior to make sure people are acting honestly. And and I want I want independent arbiters to tell me, is this fair? Because I don't even trust myself sometimes. But who watches yeah. The Watchers, Max? Well, the, I Lauren. mean... Lauren. Lauren. <laughs> no, but... Uh, like, where's the oversight for the oversight? It's well, sure, ended. I mean... There's that, no that's, trust or faith and in that, institutions well, that's anymore. Where, that's, sure, that's where corruption can happen. But I think it's... It's good to strive for it. Just because there's potential issues, it doesn't mean we don't go for it. I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, so yeah. As I said in the, in the beginning of the show, I like people. I like watchdogs. I think mm -hmm. I think wa honest watchdogs are super important to uh, to our society. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is something to note too that although probably in North America we're not part of the one percent, I think on a worldwide scale we are. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, so I mean, in like North America we're what probably part of. The Top 20 for sure. Top 10 right now. I don't know about Erica, but the three of us. <laughs> the way we're paying her. Yeah. She'll never get there. But, I mean, people are looking at us. Not that anyone in a third world country is listening to this podcast. But if they were, they'd be like, oh, these guys don't know how good they have it. And they're wasting their money on shit when they could be helping me get water. And why does a house need to be that? big this is a know? frivolous this podcast is a frivolous pursuit compared to what people are really doing on the ground and and what we're doing situations. with our money though we're not necessarily being as altruistic as we can what you're I telling like, me fucking game one in the round two against the philadelphia 76ers <laughs> and the raptors well that's is a, different what i like to do personally is when i think about you know humans frivolously spending i like to start at the the tax bracket above mine 
And that's where that's where the real problems begin. <laughs> Those people are of course, bastards. Of course. That's yeah. the way everyone does that's it. That's the way everyone thinks. I know, I know, I know. All right, let's get on uh, to the next episode. That was fun, though. That was great. All right. Hey, guys, this yeah, turned into a very smart political show. Yeah. Well, smart <laughs> in air quotes. Oh, you know what? I wasn't even impressed with the last subject that we had. I think uh, the Showtime Lakers. So maybe we'll save that for another day. Okay, so, so maybe we'll good. just do two today. Yeah, because I was going to say that was the weakest one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was. I, well, what's more interesting about that? Well, just to quickly do is we were going to talk about Adam McKay is uh, going to be uh, sort of the showrunner for this, uh, or at least directing the pilot for a uh, TV show about the 1980s Showtime Lakers, which is fascinating. But I, I was going to say the more fascinating thing is Adam McKay's career arc, you know, kind of being this like guy that was a writer in SNL pairing up with Will Ferrell doing all of these sort of Anchorman, Talladega Nights, all these sort of like, you know, dick and fart comedies, and then becoming this sort of Oscar caliber director with the big yeah, short with and political vice. Tones and of course, you know, very woke um, director and very outspoken. But maybe maybe we'll hit that in another episode. Sure. So the other ones on our docket are uh, there is a story in TechCrunch about Instagram likes. So a prototype of a new sort of uh, working model of Instagram uh, came out. It says we want your followers to focus on what you share. So before I read this, I must say the idea is they're going to take away the like count. So when you post something on Instagram, what do you get? Five likes. 50 likes, 100 likes, 10,000 likes, your followers will no longer be able to see those likes. And this You'll is, know. You'll know. You'll be able to see the likes, yeah. but people won't. And their justification uh, for this sort of um, tech tweak that they would do to the, uh, the platform says, we want your followers to focus on what you share, not how many likes your posts get. During this test, only the person who shares a post will see the total number of likes it gets. Uh, so anyway, that's basically their, their, their outlook is to sort of encourage people to post more because they're not scared they're only going to get 10 likes. And this was just a prototype. We should like who knows if it's actually going to become real, right? Oh, yeah, there was like a whole thing like 6 months ago where actually a new way to look at Instagram had popped up and everybody started losing their minds. It, they they it was like a test balloon that they ran for like 4 hours and people lost their shit. Yeah, so so this might not actually happen, but it's an interesting thing to talk Let's about. Let's say it does. I, I feel it... like Shane was uh, very excited to talk about this one. What are your thoughts? Well, at first I thought they were going to take away the likes completely, which I kind of uh, liked that idea. Double tap Just that because idea. I've become so obsessed with my phone and like the little hearts coming up is one of the things I can almost guarantee is going to happen every time I like refresh my phone. Mm -hmm. So I liked that going away because then I can lose my obsessiveness with my phone, always feeling like, oh, there's something to refresh. There's going to be yeah. some notification. It's a dopamine hit. Right, and I'm trying to rid myself of this. Uh, like, I totally have no attention span right now. It's it's brutal. I can't focus for more than probably a minute and a half without obsessively reaching for my phone, glancing at it to look for God knows what. And usually it's nothing, and usually it is just that little heart coming up. Honestly, this is why this podcast is a bit of a therapy session, because no one looks at their phone, really. Yeah. Which is actually... A very good break for your brain. It's, it's like you know if you go to like an important dinner or something and you can't look at your phone. Well, and, hanging and, and with you friends, realize your body starts doing different things and you're just more in the moment. This is why I honestly like enjoy sitting in like pubs with you guys and just talking because it's kind of a version yeah. of this podcast that we're not recording. We're not looking at our phones. Right? If we're watching a basketball game or if it's just like we're out for drinks like with my friends, I actually don't look at my phone. It's I great. feel like Max and Dan are more. Yeah, you like, guys still uh, look at your phones. You'll do so, that. Oh yeah, I'm definitely a culprit, but uh, it's still better than. One about myself. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But yeah, I do like, like having this podcast is a great excuse to chat. Yeah. Like it's like going out for a coffee. You're not going for the coffee. You're going to chat with your friends. Yeah. Right? Or beer in our case. 
So, so you're in favor of this? Uh, I am. And another thing is, I do get. Uh, I feel good when I get more likes than someone else, and I oh, feel yeah. bad when someone gets more likes than me. So I don't want to feel like I'm the cool guy, and I don't want to feel like I'm not cool either. Oh, yeah. It's a it's a crazy roller coaster of emotions, and I'm very childlike for even succumbing to that. You know. Oh, I think to- you're describing how a lot of people feel about yeah. it. No, I, I think I, that's more you know the, the, the idea of competition and pursuing things um, social capital is just like yeah <sighs> like it's funny it's like when i when i think about competition i th- you can look at it in two ways one it can be very productive in that it makes people work really hard and makes people ambitious and, and innovation happens because people are competitive and i think that's a great thing about competition that would be the argument for capitalism for instance like capitalism has led to a lot of great things on the other hand it leads to so many ugly character traits and uh, because you're you're competing for a lot of times things that are kind of useless or you have this like narrative in your mind about who you're up against uh you know who's more popular social capital and like and those things ultimately make the world much worse you know so it's 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 like not even like i mean yes you could argue it makes the world much worse but what it does is also like ruining people's sort of um sense of self exactly yeah self-worth like the, the idea of like what you value about yourself and what you can actually contribute and is it like is it likes is it i mean this is the social media argument sort of that we've been having for the last decade now but you know it's like nobody ever posts like the shitty part of their vacation where you know what i mean they're like so drunk that they fucking pass out at the pool well some people do uh, <laughs> or like when the i mean that's sometimes the funnest stuff but like or like when they're like their kids crying and sh- shit everywhere you know what i mean it's like it's always the most idyllic sort of like photo for a lot of people and it's like Unless they're trying to be like faux relatable and they're doing it and they're like, my kids are assholes. And there's that whole thing that gets a lot of likes. But then there's even a cynicism to that, right? It's like, oh, I see what they're sort of like portraying. And it's just like, no matter what you're doing, it's not real. I know. And it's like, it's weird. But it's like, then there is some like realness to it. It's like, oh, well, why do I post? Well, there's certain family members and people want to see like what I'm up to. But to your point, it's mostly for like this sort of narcissistic like dopamine hit where it's like, oh, look at my life and double tap it. And that feels good to me. And I hate that that feels good to me. Yeah. But then you also feel like almost ridiculous and sort of like a, a Luddite if you're like, I'm eschewing everything. I don't have an Instagram. I don't have a Twitter. I'm not on Facebook. Well, more than that, you you feel like you're missing out on a potential revenue stream or something. Mm-hmm. Like uh, a guy like Kawhi Leonard doesn't have Instagram. And I feel like he's missing out on a lot of dollars. Yep. Yeah, that's where uh, a lot of business takes place. Um, it's this is actually interesting though because it leads to another big topic uh, of our day in how social media uh, companies police themselves. And right now, you know, there's a, a lot of controversy over the news that's shared on Facebook. Who's in charge? What are they like? Who are the people at Facebook that create the algorithms? Because it's in their best interest to create these bubbles for uh, each user. The most clicks. Yeah, to, to get the most clicks, to keep people on the platform. It's better for business and it's better for Facebook. But it has, create a, it has created a lot of ugly things. And Facebook doesn't, frankly, doesn't know what to do about it. And so I wonder, going back to the Instagram example, although this is actually, I think, a positive step for our own mental health and for actually creating a better world. So just like focus on you know, the picture itself as opposed to the, the likes it might get. 
is that going to be bad for Instagram's business? And let's and what happens if people stop using Instagram as much because some other platform comes up with and, likes with with likes and people go over there and then Instagram goes, oh, we just shot ourselves in the foot for trying to do a more well, noble well, thing. Well, what they'll do is they'll adjust very quickly. No, I like know they, they will. But, oh, okay. But, but, but so, yeah, no, you're I right. See what, you're they, well, what you're talking about is what might be better for the social conscience or public health <laughs> isn't good for business. Yeah. You'll yeah. always choose business. No, I know. And, people and always w- do. Which is disappointing to me because, uh, w- I mean, I guess Instagram is more based on photos, but when it comes to journalism and you're a journalist uh student erica you may talk to this but like there 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 should be some nobility i think in the way news is shared and and every newspaper always wanted to sell a lot of copies so i'm not i'm not naive to think that like the old-timey way was this like noble pursuit there's obviously money to be made in that industry and it was a very successful one at that but uh how do we we, I think we've gotten to a point when it comes to the way news is shared on Twitter and Facebook that has become very destructive and what and how these social media companies choose to do about it is is, is a tough question. Well, and it, it, it seems like it'd be good for us, right, if the, if the like count went away. But what yeah. about the people who are supremely popular? Like, wouldn't like Kylie Jenner go on like Suicide Watch or well, something if I'm this happened? I'm curious about like how the business yeah. of Instagram would change for all these like influencers who make money off of it and make money off the likes and the yeah. comments and need a certain amount of likes and comments to receive that paycheck. It would really upend the industry. Well, I, what I think would happen is, because I was thinking that exact same thing, is that followers would have a higher premium now. It would have to because it would be the only number. Yeah. But you would be able to see your own likes, so I wonder if that sort of information would become... Back-channeled? They said yeah, it would become too. it would become this sort of like um, very secret information that got passed around the influencer world, like how many likes you get, your they average like. they start screen-grabbing their likes and yeah, making those Yeah, and like selling that information. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Boom. Uh, well, they said comments would become far more premium. So it's like if you have yeah. 10,000 comments, that's essentially like even more valuable than... 20,000 so likes. you'd still see comments. Takes more time yeah. to engage. Yes, you'd still the see The whole comments. Instagram world, though, I must say, is already corrupt. There is... Uh, <laughs> er- this is your main cause. <laughs> Speaking of charities, <laughs> play the music. No. <laughs> Shane's writing a takedown piece. <laughs> if but, I had 100 million, this is But people what I are buying... Uh, all these fake uh, influencers, they're buying at least 10,000 followers in most cases. They're in like groups that are all fake likes. They're in comment groups mm. where it's, I know because my wife gets approached by these people all the time mm. to join. And uh, In the comments? It, she, I'm just kidding. No, no, but someone will be like, check your DMs. And then she will. It's like, oh, join right. this comment group and yeah. then uh, you will get 50 comments a day. And then I start looking at other mom accounts because I'm trying to stay competitive. And I'll look at their comments and they're all like, nice, cute, this. If a comment's only one word and you get like 100, you can kind of smell the bullshit. And if someone has 20,000 followers but they're only getting 100 likes in the photo, that's a horrible ratio. So they must be bot followers. So these comment and like farms exist. They're, not only do they exist, they're the most prevalent misleading thing ever for potential sponsors. And I just want to say this family treat does not do that at all. There you go. <laughs> oh, man. Every follower is earned. It's a hard man. stance. These, these uh, you know, 21st century problems that, that young people have to deal with now are so fucking crazy. Like, I know the Western privileged world has always dealt with its own set of vapid problems, but when just the, the amount of in influence that influencers have and YouTube stars that do absolutely like nothing. I mean, there, and there's different types of like. It's harder genre. work than you think. No, 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 no. Think. I'm not saying it's not hard work. Uh, I'm sure people, and I'm not talking about this family tree. Like that, that is speaking to a community of moms that I think actually has inherent value, which is important. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about like these 
LA kids that just like talk about like what they're wearing to Coachella. And I know I'm sounding like an old man right now, but like there are those those blogs get so much attention, and it's really like offering nothing of substance. I was watching the Lori so Loughlin, and they make so much it's money. It's insane the amount of money is, these influencers make. They are offering something of substance to the consumers. Like what? What does basketball offer to you? This is the new entertainment. Yeah, just because it's not important to you doesn't mean it's not relevant. I would say that that's the, just their Game of Thrones. Okay, what I would uh, sure I, I I get that argument, but can we also agree that there are at least parts of basketball? Let's use basketball as an example. Sure. That where it's like it it talks about teamwork and leadership and overcoming the odds and like and values that I think are universal and important. When it comes to what some rich like Lori Laughlin's kid, I was watching a bunch of her shit with Lauren the other day. And she's like talking about how to dress on the cheap. And she was talking about like buying like Gucci bags. And she's like, I don't know. I only get the real ones. But I think there's websites out there that you can get the knockoff ones. And you can go thrift shopping. Okay, I've never actually been thrift shopping. But like, and there's so many 11-year-olds that are watching her channel. That's the thing. And those are like objectively bad values for those kids to grow up on. But like you were saying, at least it's possible. Yesterday you were mentioning that uh, people getting better with their money and learning how to like obtain wealth and stuff. (laughs) If you're Shaquille O'Neal, that's not very aspirational for me. Every player in the NBA is like over 6'7 and a beast. It's like a pretty, like you've hit the genetic lottery. Sure. in some sense. No, no, I, I think it's very No, I, I, I listen, I, I get the argument that this is all forms of entertainment. I'm just saying that it's the Wild West right now and there's a lot of uh, you know, people that have a very uh, big platform with youth. That with youth, and that's the thing. Th- like, like, and, and when it came to the pop stars of the '90s, there was a lot of debaucherous shit going on, a lot of like bad messages being sent out, and then that is commonplace uh, for sure. But the extent uh, that it exists today, and again, I know I'm sounding like an old man yeah. on my front porch, but I, th- I think it is worse. But it's just everyone has their place in the world, and not everyone's as smart as you, and maybe not everyone can speak on politics or other things, or they're not, maybe fashion's the thing that they're good at, or Instagram's the thing that they're good at, and they're succeeding, and they're like, okay, this is my slot in society. I'm going to show people how to dress, or what Gucci bag's good. I think, I think you're talking in a more broad sense that it's like, why do 11-year-olds find this stuff so interesting? Like, why are they so drawn to a 17-year-old influencer in L.A. that is a rich kid that literally shows what they're going to Coachella Because with? anyone who's 11 wants to be 30. It's, it's just yeah, you want to be an adult. The Instagrammers are the new, like, kids reading, like, J14 magazines yep. and stuff. Tiger like, Beat. that's Yeah. So in the past, it was like, oh, yeah. this, this, this guy's a sitcom, so I'm interested in this actor, this actress, and that's who I'm into. But the thing is, it's like we knew what the product was. It was the TV show, and then you kind of get the crush on the person. Now it's like, what's the product? These people aren't actors. They're not creating like content in the sense that it's like telling a story or like I'm getting something out of the Wonder Years and I'm whatever. It's like they're just literally looking these people live their lives, which are opulent and aspirational, and they're just like, how do I get that? Yeah. But the thing is, they're not. there's no building block in the sense of like uh, like do I value my relationships was I kind to my neighbor was I good to the guy that nerd at school that couldn't get a seat and my you know do I have a strong relationship like with my parents or whatever I guess and by the way I never thought I'd be saying this but I guess the idea of family values you know whenever you hear old conservatives be like you know make America great again what they're talking about is like a time when it was like Apple pie, and it was never really that. It was kind of the sure. idea of it. They just didn't talk about it. Now everything is so on display in the sense that it's like all I want to do is 
party, look out for myself, get fucked up, and laugh with my friends. And that's the celebration. This kind of started, in a mass sense, with Paris Hilton and sort of the idea of, yep. like, you know, Kim Kardashian went from literally being sort of, like, this thing that we laughed at and, like, scoffed at in sort of, like, um, high fashion and entertainment and all of that stuff. And now she's 100% a part of the, of the establishment and the institution. So you, you're saying Kim Kardashian and Paris Hilton didn't work hard and they... I'm not saying that. Right. I'm saying that what are their followers taking from that? Like, what are they taking? What is their brand? Their brand is sort of aloof opulence, like like wealth. Um, it, it's like it's I don't a, think they worked hard. I don't think. No, I, I think they do. Like, you think so? Very hard, and it's probably exhausting because they're always on camera, always promoting some brand. All these media appearances, their life is probably hell. But they love it. They they want to be famous. They want to be rich. This is the life they they work for. I think it is very hard what they do. I do. And I think it's very presumptuous to assume all they're doing is partying all the time and just not adding anything to society. Like, I, I, mean, I bet we no, party he meant the, way he, more. No, no, he meant the way. I'm talking about these Coachella kids. No, and, like, and, and yeah, I think portray. that's presumptuous too, though. But what they portray. And by the way, like, I also think like there's different types. And that's what they promote, too. Yeah. yeah. And so like we don't really know what anybody's life is like. Like just like we didn't know what fucking like Justin Timberlake's life was like when he was in NSYNC. Or we didn't know mm-hmm. what. Like we don't really know. And it's like. So it's like. I don't think they partied any more than we did. And by the way, I'm not saying that th- these people are immune uh, to or stress or anxiety or any of that stuff. Everybody has 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 that. And, and so I'm not saying that like or depression or. And hard work is quantifiable. Like if, if you love your job at a fast food place, that's not hard work. If you love talking all day about your handbag or your perfume, that's not work in a sense. I like doing this because it's not work. If this felt <laughs> like work, I wouldn't fucking do it, to be completely honest. you know. And I work hard at a lot of things. Like I thought the Crave Show was insanely hard for me. Mm-hmm. But since I love it, it was worth it. And I was getting that dopamine hit when the thing was done. So although hard work sucks sometimes, but if, it's, if it's, you're driving towards something you love... It's still work, but there's a payoff that you enjoy and appreciate. Sure, but I guess I guess the thing is, I, we'll, I don't think working in a fast food place if you love it is not work. Well, I what, what I would say work. is like I guess the thing is none of us know like what the deal is with Kim Kardashian is. I'm sure she has a team of literally a thousand people that make her life extremely sort of like um, comfortable, comfortable. Meaning like so yes, she does have to go on camera. Let's say. Mm-hmm eight hours a day or whatever they, yeah. their filming schedule is it's laid out for her in a way that is it's like it's like the biggest bands in the world it's like brandon flowers works really hard it's like i bet you he does and i max do you work hard uh i work hard when we're schlepping our own gear into but now club. you're not working hard i don't think i work hard okay. i mean I, I think i work i think i work a lot i think the work's fucking really fun that's the difference right. you work a lot you don't work hard like people are carrying your gear you basically get a schedule of where to be all that stuff like your life becomes sort of like so like yes i do think that like there's parts of it that are hard there's like oh you're away from your family there's elements friends, but 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 the job itself it's like i you know on the last canadian tour i didn't lift a finger i just got to show up on sound at soundcheck everything sounded amazing in my in-ears and I got to like rock. Uh, see, because for me, carrying all the equipment's the hard part. When I see what you're doing on stage, I'm like, holy shit, that's a lot of work. No, that's easy. That's right. fun. Yeah. Interesting. I guess as I was trying to get to with the Kardashian mm-hmm. thing, like the, if you enjoy what you do, you're not really working, I guess, in like a broad yeah. sense. Yeah. And I forgot where we started with this. It's a good quote. It's just there's a lot of stuff I've worked hard that I've felt like it's work and I've wanted to do it because of the payoff. Right. Get that it's, I'm going towards my goal. Yeah, uh, where, do, where do we start with this one? Uh, uh, likes, Instagram likes. Do we, do we, Erica, what do you think? Uh, keep them or leave them? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think it's interesting. I think it'd be cool if we got rid of them. I'm not big on like uh, caring about likes, but like we all feed into that dopamine hit that you were mm-hmm. talking about, Shane. And um, like my ratios suck. I follow like <laughs> 500 more people than follow me. Oh, that's not good. I, it's, I don't care though. Like, I don't know. Hey, I, like, hey listeners, go follow. What's your Instagram? At Ka. 
K-K-A-A-H-A. That's your first problem. Is it terrible? Yeah, okay. I know. Well, I, it's Erica I backwards, like be... right? No. <laughs> okay, How do you spell that? A... Let's spell that. K-K-A-A-H-H. Okay. So Cut. at K-K-A-A-H-H. Yeah, what? follow me up. I'm averaging one new follower per episode since Freedom started. That's awesome. Hey, that's pretty, great. Pretty good. Yeah, so Shane's a bit of a social media consultant. At the rate that we're putting this out, you're going to have like 10 by next week. Yeah. You know, we were going to talk about uh, Trump and the meeting Jack Dorsey, which is kind of social media, which, which is kind, kind of related. You but kind of spoke to that anyway when you talked about the danger in like news filtering. What if yeah. we go to the lesser, easier topic about him showing up to that Easter Bunny? Thing <laughs> that? What was that? I didn't even see that. Like Mike, explain. So that. there's so if you haven't been on Twitter, uh, they did like a, uh, over Easter weekend. They did like the classic. I don't know if it's like the South Lawn Easter egg hunt for uh, yeah, all the yeah. children. Uh-huh. And then Trump comes out on the balcony and like he dress, addresses the children in the press. Have you seen this clip, Max? <laughs> so he goes out onto the uh, balcony and he dresses the fucking children in the press. And because it's an Easter egg hunt, you'd think you'd go out and be like, oh, this is the day that uh, you know, our Lord and Savior Jesus came back. You know, because Trump He doesn't was, know that, though. No, but he, he fronts like he's religious in some of ways. But anyway, <laughs> it's a very sort of easy home run to hit. Come out and talk about how much the Lord means to you and whatever. He can't help himself. So he starts talking about rebuilding the military and how it's the greatest it's ever been and it's huge and all that. But this isn't the kicker, Max. The best thing about this speech is that he's giving it on the the balcony to these children in the press with the fucking Easter bunny standing beside him. That's fantastic. Did you see this no. clip? Oh, that's a terrifying Easter Bunny, too. <laughs> it's got the glasses on and everything. And just it's like Melania not cracking a smile. Totally. Uh, and this is a tweet yeah. I actually sent to Shane last night at, like, whatever it was, 10 at night. And uh, Southpaw at New York City Southpaw tweeted, You fall into a coma shortly before the contested 2000 presidential election. Almost 19 years later, you wake up. This is the first video you see. And it's just <laughs> Trump on a balcony with that terrifying fucking Easter Bunny costume <laughs> and the glasses. Uh, uh, that's great. Yeah. Hey, uh, actually, I'll say one uh, quick thing on Trump meeting the Twitter CEO, Jack. Jack Dorsey, um, is that I know a lot of people that oppose Trump don't want to go near him uh, just because they hate him so much. People don't like Jack Dorsey. Did you see Seth Rogen's thing? Oh, yeah. People don't like Jack Dorsey yeah. for a lot of reasons, too. But what I would say is that Trump is really susceptible to anybody who he's just met with. I don't know if you've noticed this. And like after he met, after trashing Obama for like a decade, he met with Obama. He was like, oh, Obama said a lot of interesting things. And then Obama stopped talking to him because because I think it was when they were doing the transition. He left a note for he left him. a note for yeah, him, like and, he, and he, he said, "Oh, he told me some great things." You could tell that Trump kind of liked Obama because Obama gave him attention. He talked to him, yeah, yeah. And then when Obama stopped paying attention to him, then he went back to trashing him. This happens over and over again with Trump. You basically like if you're the last person in the room with him, you'd be like, "Oh, we had a great meeting. It was an awesome, it was always a great meeting, <laughs> even as somebody who he's been trashing for a long time." So what I would suggest is you just need to be close to him all the time. It, it, like ultimately, he's gonna do what. The, uh, what is going to impress the people in the room with him because he just is seeking approval all the time and the people in the room with him most of the time are fucking assholes like Stephen Miller and who 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 know like who else is in the room with him often oh like his team like, like his team yeah. like uh, Kushner and, and his daughter and anyway so I think if you if we want Trump to behave well we just need to saddle up with him as, 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 most, as, as, as often as you can. That's what he would say. Just treat me nice and just, I'll be nice to you. Just treat me nice and, I, and I'll uh, you know, do the right thing. I know yeah. that's a, obviously that's a naive way of thinking. <laughs> because, but, but I do think... There's uh, some evidence to support think, that theory. Yeah, and I don't think that uh, Trump has a worldview. He doesn't have a worldview. No, view. your point is this is how guys like Stephen Miller, who like is a very hard line like anti-immigration person, yeah. how he's gotten his policies through because he's just in the room with Trump. He just hangs out with them all the time. Yeah. So, uh, and, and a guy who is devoid of a worldview, like Trump, uh, you know. But maybe having no worldview is a view. It's like being agnostic. 
Um, problem is whoever's closest to you can sway what you'll do. And yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's not problematic. I'm saying it is a view. <laughs> it's true. And there's the funny we end at. <laughs>